is the podcast to the show you can listen to or know. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Welcome back, everyone. You are joining us for the TedCast, Season 3, Episode 8, We'll Never Have Paris, written by Keely Hazel and Dylan Moran, and directed by Erica Dunton, who you might remember from last season. Uh, season 2, she directed The Signal and Rainbow. Uh, I am your host, Coach Castleton, and with me as always is Coach Bishop. Oi! That's it. It's good. It's a nice Roy and Keeley uh, response that's appropriate for this episode. And uh, with us is our boss, Emily Chambers. Uh, the Ted Cast podcast supports the WGA strike. I'm just putting a, a blatant statement out there on behalf of my co-hosts, but I feel like I, I have them in spirit. Yes. Yes, ma'am. hundred percent. We stand in solidarity and uh, we hope the writers... Um, Hold fast. I'm in so in solidarity that I haven't been hired as a writer in years. I was like, fuck that. <laughs> I ain't working. Watch. Y'all gonna start not working too. <laughs> I think that's gonna be the, the proverbial uh, straw that breaks the negotiating camel's back, coach. <laughs> um, okay, so today we're gonna do something we have never done before, but I think you will enjoy. I hope you will enjoy. Today is a rapid response podcast, which means... Rather than wait and do our typical deep dive, which we will also do, by the way, um, we are trying to get an episode out as quickly as possible to cover our sort of quick hit reactions to the recently, most recently dropped episode. In this case, obviously, it's We'll Never Have Paris. And we, like everyone else, uh, have, have thoughts. This one was interesting because... Um, in many ways, we, in many ways, we're back in season two, unfortunately. Uh, and I think more so than any other episode this season, this one has been met with a tremendous amount of consternation by fans. Um, we, of course, um, have ideas about that and we'll definitely get into that. So we're going to have a format today that goes fairly quickly. Um, we have not discussed the episode with each other yet. I don't know if, if the uh, other, uh, if the coach and boss agree with me or disagree with me, but what we're going to do is sort of hash things out very quickly and get a real cursory take on just our reaction to how this episode went in general. So I'm going to jump in here and sort of betray my usual coy approach. Um, <laughs> you're right. That one was for me. Okay, so, but, uh, huh. <laughs> but here's the thing. This episode, like many moments, I'm, I'm reminded, and for this reason, it's not the same kind of episode, but of the Christmas episode. Um, and, and, and in yeah. way, yes, as I've I had watched, that thought too. Right? Yeah. As I watched this episode, my reaction was actually a, a meta reaction, I guess we could call it, because it wasn't just my reaction to the episode. It was my reaction to Jesus fucking Christ. Now I got to get on Slack and I got to go on this fucking podcast and, and, and clean up this mess you motherfuckers made. What is wrong? What? God damn it. That's how it's <laughs> So I just wanted to put that on the table. So you were, you were aware of it in real time. Oh, 
as I'm watching, I'm going, what, 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 why, what, why? Yeah, yeah. For me, this read like a parade of the least interesting elements of the show combined with a number of other things that felt like time wasting, uh, you know, in a precious uh, limited, <laughs> limited with a limited number of, of minutes left. I go, wow, this one is, um, hmm. So we're going to do that here. It's a shame because before this, every other episode I was going, wow, can it get any better? You know, it's amazing. Mm-hmm, Every time mm-hmm. I say it, it's better and better. And this one, uh, with all due respect, because we love the the people behind it and the, and the writing staff and everything, we're very, uh, very much in love with the show. It's that um, when it's true love, you know, you can be honest. And and this one, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think I think we'd be doing it a disservice if we didn't call out the fact that uh, this one felt like a like a departure based on the quality of, of season three. Um, boss, where are you on this? My thinking is that if, as much as this is with love, as much as um, you need your boys or women or whoever else to tell you when you're fucking up, I feel like a lot of the issues with this storyline were a result of cleaning up previous plot points that we don't care about. In terms of, why Jack is here, how we get rid of her, what happens at uh, KGPR in order to sort of kick Keeley's ass into motion into actually doing things. This felt a lot like, it, it, even, I, I like that felt like the main plot, but even Ted sort of finally confronting Michelle and Jacob about their relationship. Like, this is a lot of, they didn't do enough cleanup before, so they're doing cleanup now, and that's leading to one bad episode. They're not bad. It's not good. It's well, I, well, I think we, we have to, and I do think this is important. Our entire conversation, the entire Ted cast is grading on a curve. So I think, I think it's that's extremely I, I, true. right. So I think your point is right in the universe of Ted Lasso episodes. This is a bad episode. And I think that's fair, but, but yeah, I mean, compared to an episode of even a bunch of shows I've liked over the years, I'd still watch this episode five more times before I rewatch another episode of any number of shows. Yeah. I'm not going to name names, but there are background filler shows that I've watched that have been fine. Yeah. And then, then you also, your, your heart goes out a little bit to uh, Keely Hazel and Dylan Moran. This is their first credited episode. Um, Sometimes when you have a writer's room, that, uh, you know, in the old days, it was 22 episodes. And as uh, with the advent of streaming, the number of episodes have come down and that sort of thing. But there are always episodes where someone gets fucked. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> gets fucked. <laughs> Make that and, work. And you're like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You know, right. You know when it's you. And typically, if, it, if this is a, if it's a 12 or 13 episode run, it's usually episode eight or episode nine because Everybody knows, okay, we're all completely on board for 10, 11, and 12. We all know what those are. And so, believe me, they've been focused way, way more in the writer's room all season on making sure those are strung tight. But then you get an episode like this where it is exactly what Boss says. It's just cleaning up um, dangling threads. And one of the problems I had with it was not – not only th- that I was not interested in 
the threads themselves. But in many cases, I thought the writing and the choices for the show, which, you know, falls on the showrunners and, you know, the director, I thought they were handled inelegantly. Um, to the point where I can very clearly see better choices and yes. you go, oh, yes. I wonder why they didn't mm-hmm. make that, you know, because that, we have yes. such a yes. high degree of respect for them. Yes. Right. You just yes. go, damn it. It was right there. You could have just gone this way. And we'll get into that on, on our deep dive episodes. Um, Co- but let's- Coach though, big picture on that. I, Cause I think what you just said is so spot on. Um, Daphne. And for those, the uninitiated, that's my, my, my wife use the phrase PSA in reference to some mm-hmm. of this episode. And I thought, wow. And then as we were talking, because I was like, I cannot dispute the that what you just said, although it just cut me to my core. And then she used the phrase. <laughs> I was like, God, it was like really like somebody telling you, but your baby is ugly. Like, I was like, God damn. And then she used the phrase after school special. And I really, if we didn't need to record, I would have taken a nap. Because not only did it, <laughs> holy shit, not only did it hurt, but it was right. Like it was like when somebody tells you something about yourself you really didn't want to hear. Like she used, she said after school special, and I was like, God damn, she's not wrong. Sadly, and you know, of of anyone who's going to yeah. rush to the defense uh, of the show, it'll be, it'll be at least two out of the three of us. And um, yeah, no, it's it's tough to dispute. So we're going to just blast through the scenes very quickly. Like I said, this one's a fast one. Um, If you're just joining us for the first time, this is not our standard format. We usually really, really take our time and go in great detail through every line, uh, every piece of of, uh, blocking and every every everything we can see on the screen. Um, We will do that at a later date. But we're going to start with opening with the montage of. Uh, AFC Richmond winning, uh, going on a four-game run, and then we are in the pub with Michelle and Ted and Dr. Jacob. So one thing that they've done in the writing that totally works, you'd have to do it, I mean, just as a matter of balancing story and t- storytelling, is football up, life down. Life up, football down. Right. So that's like that. And that's from the top. Um, and, and so in this situation, as each successive win, as I'm listening to this and like, oh, this is great because I'm still on my, you know, total football high and just loving life. I was as with each successive win. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Like by the time the third mm-hmm. win came, I was like, God damn, did somebody die? Because I was just like. <laughs> I was like, oh, they are, don't, do not focus on that jab. That cross is coming. Do not focus on the jab. And, you know, so I I thought it was, I thought it was funny what the cross ended up being in this scene. Generally, it was a very uncomfortable scene. It was the first time Ted says the name Jake out loud. Um, the, The real takeaway for me was May saying nothing's impossible to Ted, which felt important. Oh, and yeah. also that it seemed to me that the Ted Becca truthers are going to win because of this scene. And, and the reason oh. to me was because oh, he God. took out two magnets and an Ola's uh, matchbook. And I said, Oh shit. 
<laughs> like, yeah. okay. Ooh, that's I mean, interesting. That, I, ooh, that was not what I got from that. But okay, sorry, boss. And no, I was just going to say that you, you frame that as the uh, Ted Becca truthers will win. If that is a win for them, then uh, I wish them luck and peace with that. But it feels like such a letdown on the show. I wouldn't even be able to take it as a defeat. I'd be like, all right, well, that's what you're interested in. Okay. Yeah, it, the, the Ted Lasso show and the fans can have that. That's fine. That is not for me. Yeah, but it, it, it smacked of that thing where you start to see writers make mistakes at the very end of Game of Thrones. And you go, oh, 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 shit. No, 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 no. You don't want to do that. And then you're sort of in denial as you're sliding down the thing. Now, I'm not going to credit one uh, less than stellar episode uh, as taking down the franchise. And to the people who, you know, I see online, people are like, I'm done with this show. Like, that's it. I'm like, okay, all right, well, whatever. Like, that can't, I can't stop you from, from leaving, but it, it flies in the face of the absolute magnificence uh, up to this point, um, season two and the Christmas episode uh, notwithstanding. Um, in general, that's a that was a very awkward scene, and we and we then also get the little sample that Ted is uh, finds out that they're going to go to Paris, um, and we see that there's still uh, there's some connectivity there between him and Michelle that was noticeable for the first time with them joking a little bit and saying, "Oh, it's like the cop pulled you over," or "It's a mailman wearing," or "No, a priest wearing shorts," or things like that. You know, there's like that you could see for the first here. time. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought that was a period. No, sorry. no, no. That was, we hadn't really seen any connectivity between Michelle and Ted, uh, you know, in recent uh, episodes. It's interesting that you, you and perhaps the truthers, you know, I don't go, I don't do a lot of going online to see what folks outside of this uh, circle have to say about it because uh, we're a cult and that's how cults work. So, but. Um, Correct. Right. So, but the thing is that I actually came out of this pub scene thinking, oh my God, he's going to get his family back. That's what I got. So I'm re, it's surprising to me that this so clearly, because I didn't think for sure, but that was a thought I had. I said, he's going to end up back with Michelle, but it's going to be a new relationship because he has gone off and changed. She would not, it would not be Ted and Michelle that existed. Dr. Jake, snake that he is, and I will always think of him as a snake, Jake the Snake MD. Um, But he is the worst. And I believe that he actually, as he tried to set up taking this man's woman from him through the means of psychiatry, is actually going to have the plan work that he initially set forth, which is, Give her some space, just like you do in total football, just like you do when Roy understands putting the pedals in the in the tub, just like Jamie, when he says, no, 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 I'm not going to run up and support. I'm going to whatever. He's going to go 4,383. No, that's not the right number miles away. And he's going to end up right the fuck back in Kansas with barbecue sauce, a wife and a son. Uh, we're certainly going to find out. I didn't get that read at all. Although I will say that the anybody knows the name of the pinball machine that uh, Henry was playing on in the pub scene. I didn't notice that. Boss, anything? No, nope, didn't catch it. It was the Wizard of Oz. Oh, Shut so very cool. Up. So where, where does so I'm just going to point out 
Coach, coach, as, coach, we you're starting to point out deep dive stuff, uh, coach. All right, I can't help who I am. <laughs> <laughs> the subtitle of the Ted Lasso show. Ted Lasso, I can't help who I am. <laughs> No, do you have a something a thought about this before we before we move no, on? No, no, no. But just I, I, I would just point out that Dorothy does not end up building a house in the middle of the poppy fields. She ends up back in Kansas. So we jump into um, the next scene is as if it wasn't uh, bad enough to open with Doctor Jacob. Uh, we now get to hang out with Keely and Jack, um, specifically Keely and Jack uh, in bed. And then waking up to, uh, well, actually, Jack invites Keely to a very swanky event uh, with people that Keely is uh, very impressed with. And then we find out that there has been a leak of a private sex tape that Keely had made for someone. And the resultant um, sort of reaction by Keely and by Jack uh, to that leak. Uh, boss, any thoughts on the relationship here, the vibe with, uh, Keely and Jack in bed? I, I, I remember thinking, oh, I should, I should really find this super hot. And I was like, and maybe it's just because minutes are, are, uh, (laughs) just drifting into the past inextricably. Um, I don't know. What was your sense of it? I think my issue is that they never went to the trouble of setting up Keely and Jack. It, it, like they met at the game. There was something between them. They cleaned up the lamb poop. They made out. I, when did they show us Keely falling for Jack the same way that they did Keely falling for Roy? Because that was a, a touch and then a touch and then a touch and then a touch. And then they hooked up. So already like I'm sort of iffy on Jack. Um, it, it also it's, I, but there should it's too bad that masturbation tape sounds like such a, a weird sort of not vulgar term, but like sex tape implies one thing to me. And what Keely did was send a, a partner a, a naughty video. I don't like naughty, uh, like, b- but that's basically what was happening here. Um, Jack's response saying that she'll take care of it seems like it should be comforting. Um, and it's not, and I don't want to get too far into this, but I actually do need to mention, um, my, I mentioned that my younger sister listens to this podcast. So Ellen, about to talk about you. Um, she and her husband, when they got married, one of his wedding vows was essentially, I'll always be there to take care of you, to help you out, whatever else, while always believing that you'll be able to do it yourself. And I think that that's so much better than I'm going to take care of this for us. Like, yes, being willing to help your partner, great. Saying, don't worry, you can't do it. Like, fuck that. No, Keely could do this. It's Keely's fucking job. The fact that Jack felt the need to step in was garbage. All right, I'm going to white. I'm going to, I mean, deep dive a little bit here and point out white knighting. Wait, listen, 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 because I can't make the point I want to make about the scene without it. It's the only reason I'm, I'm doing it, seriously. White knighting, we see her show up dressed at all white later. And that's not the relationship that we have been told is a kind of relationship we should care about. Keely herself with a bag full of lamb poop being handed over says, you shouldn't love someone for what they are. You should love them for who they are. And the minute 
it's hey, I'm gonna go buy a fancy dress and go be around your fancy people. This this is just a this is a rebound relationship. That's all this is. I, I, the romantic part of it, that's what it is. I have a real big problem with this. Um, in general, I never like Jack, as as we know, nothing against Jody Balfour. Um, never never bought or enjoyed or liked this. And Boss makes an absolutely fantastic point that God, I am so sorry because I really want to just be positive and be excited about this show, but I also don't want to lie. I just want to be honest and say that, you know, there are a couple there are a couple of relationships in this show where we're meant to believe that they're deeper than they are. Like, it's not like they're doing like this thing where it's like, oh, it's it's like we're getting together and then all of a sudden we're really into each other. And there's no getting to know you thing. There's no casual whatever. It's like in or out in a very binary way. And, you know, first of all, I want to just point out that anytime there's trouble, Jack just tries to kiss Keely. She's like right away, like anything bad time, there's like something that they should be talking about. Jack just is a is very like boiler room level investment banker douche and kind of just like goes for a physical contact. And I'm like, ah, she's really approximating some of the like characters I just don't love in like finance. What kinds of characters? Finance coach? culture. Yeah, yeah. What kinds of characters? Uh, single white men, coach, and sometimes married white men. Oh, there you um, go. But uh, yeah, I just want to put that out there and also to say, boy, you know what would be an amazing skill to have if you have a PR nightmare is to be able to run a PR firm and handle it professionally instead of falling down into a ball and asking your girlfriend to handle it for you. That I, I think that matters too. I think also Keely would have been able to pick this up eventually. I think having a moment where you freak out, I, I will often time myself. I'm like, you have seven minutes to lay in bed and then you have to get up and actually do shit. So saying I'm going to have five minutes to freak out about this and then I will handle it seems very much up Keely's alley. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And she should have time to recover. And I'm not suggesting that uh, she shouldn't uh, have, have a little bit of reaction time at all. And you're right that she didn't ask. I'm glad you guys uh, pointed that out. But if I was an investor and I saw the PR CEO that I've financed have like a real, you know, not a great, like sort of instantaneous PR reaction to something, I'd, I'd, I would question it. Um, not that I'll ever take Jack's side because I won't. Uh, now we move to the Henry child labor scene. Uh, I noticed we did not get a treacly cutter to before we moved on. So we, the, the intent was for this scene and the three beard, uh, Trent and, um, Roy standing and watching in the window as, uh, Kitman will kind of coaches up Henry was meant to be the treacly cutter event. Um, and there was one brilliant line in there about late stage cap capitalism. Yes. Oh, uh, other than that, I, I didn't get a lot from this. So I think we should plow past and get to the diamond dogs meeting, which, um, again, a very interesting choices here. Uh, we, we, we have the benefit of the, uh, the great Trent Krim, uh, joining the diamond dogs with a wolf. Uh, very, very pleasing. We have Roy not being in the Diamond Dogs, but also not closing the door to his office. And I also really enjoyed, I don't know if you guys caught this, when they said Diamond Dogs mount up, Beard dialed something on his phone and then just started barking into the phone and hung up. Did, did you guys yes. see oh, that? Very, yeah, that was <laughs> yes. fantastic. 
so I thought that was a uh, fun. Generally, the takeaway from this scene is, um, and I forget the line because, like I said, we're doing this as quickly as possible. Um, don't flip out before you find out. I think was the yes. I I think that I think that matters, and it'll come up a couple other times um, in in this episode. And I think in a broader way, in, in ways that I think it's uh, commenting on what's come before it. Uh, but that is a very Ted expression of that idea. And I think in the context of total football, where somebody may vacate a position and others have to then fill in that position because the job needs doing, even if maybe that player isn't there to do it. I think it matters that that's the advice he gets from Higgins. It's not just the advice and the thinking, but expressed that way. So I think that I, I, I do think you get that out of this piece with the diamond dog. Yeah. And you get for the first time someone questioning like, wait, do we even really be, need to be meaning about this? Um, I will say that we always really enjoy how the show addresses anxiety, which is something that is. Uh, one of the reasons we watch the show, it, it, other shows just plain gloss right over it and they don't talk about anxiety. Um, and the anticipatory anxiety of something that you're expecting to happen uh, is to someone who is experiencing the anxiety virtually uh, indistinguishable from the anxiety itself. So we're going to go into this in the deep dive. I'm not, I'm not sure... Don't freak out until you find out or don't uh, want to flip out till you find out. I'm not sure that was an effective messaging thing for someone experiencing the anxiety because I think they needed to get to the next level. And we also see that the result of Ted sort of saying, okay, yeah, thanks, boys, was that he it wasn't okay and he continued with it. So, Yeah, I think what makes advice good, that it that the result is that the person given the advice takes the action or that the advice itself was a sound and healthy assessment of the situation. Because the truth of the matter is it's not happening. And if he could, and if he returns to what is, if he, if he follows his own advice, conditioning, all right, we can discuss what that might be in a metaphorical way, blah, blah, blah. But, Awareness, awareness is of what is happening. And everybody's reaction in that room is, well, well, but that's not happening. <laughs> like you're 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 discussing a thing that might happen as if it is happening. That is not awareness. You can anticipate and be aware, but you can't do what he's doing and be aware. And so he's the he's he's dying the thousand deaths. And so he needs to, you know, I, I guess do I put would would I put it on Higgins that Ted's too far in the anxiety to hear sound advice? Yeah, I don't. That's a good question. That's a good question. But it begs. It begs for a deeper dive. I'll, I'll never forget uh, trying to understand anxiety. Uh, um, I have four children. They all have some degree of anxiety that um, I have either um, 
maybe I have anxiety too, and I just swallowed it my whole life and forced it into other things. Um, but I remember being on the beach in Marina del Rey. My little boy was, my oldest uh, child was about seven or eight years old. And there's this really great beach in Marina del Rey um, where everybody takes their kids because there's not a lot of waves and it's easy. And I remember him seeing a helicopter flying over like they do in LA all the time. And he was, I could see his body tighten up. I said, explain to me what you're experiencing right now. And he's like, that's going to spin around here and then crash and kill us all. And his body was reacting like it was going to happen. And then it, dro- it flew away. And I said, do you feel better now that it didn't happen? He said, no, I don't feel better now that it didn't happen. And I, and I said, okay, all right, this is, I have to input this. <laughs> I have to understand. And I, and I see gl- a glimpse of that in Ted where, yeah, thank you. It's great. It's not happening, but what's behind that anxiety that is unaddressed is powerful. And so something that we will get into um, in a later meeting. And uh, I appreciate coach bringing up, uh, you know, being uh, something being sound and healthy, uh, which pivots us right to the love hounds meeting. Yeah. Which is neither of those things, but, but before we get to that, and this may be a keep or this may be a, Take it out. Uh, so you'll 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 decide this, Coach Castleton. It seems to me this conversation is opportunity as we as we're now going through some of these to have a conversation about some of the broader stuff. Like if you think of it as uh, up versus down, like if deep dive is the ocean, right? That we go down deep. I think we have an opportunity in this conversation to go, to pull up into the sky on a few things. And look at and look at that. So I guess I'm I'm asking and wondering if that's the way you see this conversation, because I don't want to I don't want to miss I don't want right to um, derail us. Well, the fact of the matter is, you have ADHD, and by the time we get to the place where we get to, you will have forgotten this point. So say it right now, <laughs> and <laughs> let's let's get it on let's get it on the record because I want to hear it. Well, 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 yeah. Well, I think. Anxiety, it there's there there almost isn't a place for and this is from somebody. So let me let me just say this quickly for those who may not have heard this at some other point in our conversations. I know from anxiety, I have lived a life where I have literally in dealing with some things in my life, I have had the walls of the room I am in closing in on me as I think, oh my god, I can't breathe. I don't know how to breathe. So I'm not putting this forward as like, hey, buck up, buddy. Nothing's going on. Like, I understand. <laughs> like, when it was fun, no one could see us. But when you described your son and the, 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 the helicopter went away and you were like, do you feel better? I immediately shook my head. I was like, oh, does it feel fucking better? There's helicopters yep. spinning all around this goddamn place and none of you are paying attention. How, who can relax? Right. Who can relax, relax with that going on? So, no, I knew immediately that that was going to be his response to you. All that said, I think the power of what Ted discovered in, 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 um, with total football and what we saw come together where everyone could feel that a 4-1 loss was actually a brand of win is that when you are truly in the space of total football, some might, it's the zone plus. It's not even just being in the zone, the way they're describing it. You, there's no room for anxiety. 
It's not, oh, come on, you'll be okay, don't be anxious. It is, you are so fully and wholly present. Anxiety exists in the future. Depression exists in the past. If you are fully and wholly present, you will not be, ex- you will not be experiencing either of those things in the ways that we talk about. And so I think it's important. I think it does matter because in weren't, uh, I'm not going to say the word quickly because it's probably a lie. Here's what I'm, here's where I'm going with this. I tell all, I tell kids all the time, there's a chant we do. I, I, and I yell it. There's only one day. And the kids all yell back, this day. And I go, there's only one game. And they all yell back, this game. And I yell, there's only one play. And they all yell back, this play. And then I yell, and who's going to make a play? And they all yell back, I will. There's only one play. And when kids understand that, they're not standing there after halftime worrying about a ball they dropped in the first fucking half. Because guess what? You still can't catch that ball. But if you keep thinking about that fucking drop, you're going to drop the next one. And that's what Ted doesn't get. You over here minding somebody else's business. And now I am. But see, I do not to promise y'all short on this one. I tell kids all the time when I set up my defenses, everybody's got a job and I tell them where it's supposed to be. I tell kids all the time, especially my safeties, they always want to be nosing up and in the middle of the field. And they think they're so goddamn smart. And I'm like, mind your business. <laughs> Did I tell you to cover a hook zone? No, I told you to be deep as the deepest. Mind your business. Your business is the deep red half. That's your business. You go sticking your nose up in the middle of the field trying to cover whether this tool is going to propose to Michelle and you're going to fuck up the play you're supposed to be making. That's what you're going to do. There's only one play, this play. And and if you could live there, that's the real cure to anxiety. I see the floor. Uh, thank you, Coach. On behalf of the, um, <laughs> on behalf of the white people on the podcast, your passion makes me uh, scared. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, see, we don't. We prefer not to do that. When you know, I really like it. I see it in you, and then I think, uh, boy, I, I haven't had enough mayonnaise today. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's. That's not a white people thing. That is a wasp people thing because Irish Catholics do shout like that. That's true. Boss was watching you with a huge smile on her face. Um, And yeah, no, I don't. uh, We've come so far past the point that I forget. Were we talking about anxiety? That's the whole thing. And you're saying focus on the issues, do your job in a Bill Belichickian sort of way, uh, and then good things will work out. T- don't take your eye off the ball and worry about things that you can't control. Is that is that a uh, fair summation? Okay. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Right here, right now. Love it. Uh, one love. You go, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we get to I'm, I uh, that was just for, for boss. I um, I just want to bring up 
Nate attempting to recreate the Diamond Dogs as the Love Hounds. And Jesus Christ. Yeah, go I ahead, have, boss. I, listen, I, I'll take this one. It was so terrible. And I don't think we need to get into too much of the discussion on it because of how horrible it was. Um, but yes, he called unnamed man and Disco into his office to have a very inorganic conversation about his love life. Thank fucking God Rupert didn't show up. Rupert, oh my God! Rupert hasn't done anything decent the entire series. Every single thing he's done has been horrible. Thank you for not having Anthony Head in this episode, or at least in this scene, because it would have killed me. I'm on Rupert's side. Oh, he I was- said it. Yeah, I'm no. on Rupert's side. What the fuck is this? Yeah. If I'm you, on Rupert's side. If it, it, Like, I'm not even the owner of anything. If my direct report had called me into his office so that we could discuss his love life, I would quit my job and his. It would be over. Absolutely no way. Throw away the whole goddamn franchise. What is this? Well, Coach, I don't think we need to be on Rupert's side to recognize how stupid it was. Um, again, again, <laughs> uh, it was bad. You look at it from a very, very analytical American corporate workplace environment, and, and our apologies to our many, 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 stunningly many friends outside this country who who uh, have joined us on this journey. But you know, in an American workplace environment, I know this is England where it takes place, but uh, that would be frowned upon uh, to to bring your boss in there. And I thought uh, he's very lucky that Rupert did not show up because uh, it would have entirely uh, undercut any sense that Rupert had about him that he was a capable human being. It would have completely under under underwhelmed Rupert in a way where he, I think, he would have written it off and be like, "We got to get him out of here." Well. And here's here's a bit of my problem right now, and I and I feel like, but if I go on that side of the seesaw, how the fuck are we going to keep this coming? Keep keep this thing going up and down. But um, I hate, and that's a strong word, and I mean it. Pretty much everything that's happening with Nate right now, like viscerally, and becoming angry with this whole situation. And here and here and here's why. He doesn't get it, but I'm being given he's getting it score and I'm getting he's getting it story beats and I'm like, "You guys, you're not part of why I love you is I feel like you've respected me to this point. I feel like I'm a smart I'm a I'm a smart cookie. I got it right away." Soon as 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 Ted started dancing, I got a I'm a I'm a sharp cookie, not even a smart cookie. I'm a sharp cookie, right? Sharp right? cookie. I'm a sharp cookie. So don't don't think you're gonna fucking jang you know jingle the the proverbial car keys of 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 sweet moments with fucking Jade, and that's gonna be gonna take the place of development. I watched Jamie in the, and in this episode, maybe like none fucking other, which is pretty amazing given some of the moments he's had recently. And I go, Jesus Christ. There's a guy, if you ever wanted to do a commercial for the lasso way, holy shit. And then I'm watching Nate and he thinks like, oh, I'll just take this fucking disco. What made him think disco belonged in that room? This other poor guy actually could be a diamond dog. You don't have the fucking foresight to let him fucking talk. And you were going to invite Rupert Mannion? 
are you like what what is happening here that, yeah that is so disgusting it's so dumb to have invited it shows that you are so off the path to think that rupert is a support structure for you um that uh, here's the thing uh coach the way you feel about nate this season is is a lot about how boss and i felt last season about the way the show had lost its way um and the hard part about this is that Exactly as you say, the show is giving us the sense that Nate, they're humanizing Nate and putting him on the road back in a way, except he's still in this episode, every single decision he makes is the wrong decision. Every single one. And, and, and I can't stress it enough. And also that means that this entire scene is unearned. I, we don't care. We're not rooting for him to get the diamond. We're not saying, Oh, see, he misses the diamond. We're like, yeah, that's what happens. Motherfucker. That's what that's happens. Right. You deserve that's this right. and worse. Yes. So the writing staff is not bringing us back in the boat. They are validating our contempt for Nate yes. without intending to, and that's and, a that's a problem. And 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 if we're going to talk about choices, then then actually do have Rupert show up, have Rupert show up, and have him actually pay a, and have Nate pay a consequence, and 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 gain some understanding about what was so fucking special about what was happening over at AFC Richmond. Have Nate actually go through some shit with this. He is not paying the price. And 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 that's what's bothering me. Use the word unearned. And that's what's bothering me is, you know, oh, so so you get to spit on the mirror last time, but because this time you went into it and saw that you really are a good boy worth loving. We're good here? No, motherfucker. You need I need to see you with a fucking spray bottle and a squeegee cleaning up a lot of fucking mirrors before I am gonna be like, oh, we're all good. Where's your fucking cute box? No, sir. Absolutely. And and, and so that's a problem. Um, I will say as we transition to the next scene, I really, 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 really don't like Miss Cakes. Just don't like her. Just don't like her. Don't Fair. like how she hung up on him. Don't like how she's this person who, to the coach of a, you know, she's a Rupert's assistant. I'm like, what? What are? Who so, are you to hang up on me? I don't. So, so here's my question, because I don't like her either. But I, I'll say this for her: I feel like I I don't like her in a way that is appropriate to my Ted Lasso fandom. Whereas <laughs> my not liking Nate right now is like something's fucked up here. Like, I don't like Rupert either, but I don't mean I don't like the show. And I see her as like an extension of the Rupert way, right? If there's a Ted Lasso way, if there's a Mannion way, then I see, I think Cakes is just like the Mannion way. I, I'm I'm down with the top guy, so I don't have to give a fuck about anybody. Okay, okay yeah, yeah that, that lines up. And she's having an affair with him. Yeah, it's gross. What in the Mad Men bullshit is this? So we go on to uh, Ted uh, in Rebecca's office as the next scene where he requests, he tells her what's going on and he's having a really hard time. And they have a little interaction about how Paris is a very romantic city and where did Rebecca get engaged? It doesn't matter. And well, this is the first of two episodes, two um, uh, cases where Rebecca is the voice of reason, sort of three, actually. This is the first attempt for her to be the voice of reason. Later with Ted, she is the voice of reason. Um but she concedes when he says, I need you to help me hire a private investigator. And Ted high fives the tree on the way out, which was 
a painful callback because I enjoyed it so much in an episode that I was not enjoying at all. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, remember when we did that, when we high-fived trees and biscuits with the balls? I mean, it's a bad idea to get a PI to follow your ex-wife to Paris where she might be getting engaged with your former uh, relationship therapist, couples therapist. But even worse idea to try to do that when they have already left for Paris and they are only going to be there for three days. You're going to find out in 48 hours. Just slow your roll, Ted. It's going to be fine. That's a, that's a, that's also a great, um, that's also a great observation. He's going to know in 48 hours and yet he seems, he's, he's so determined to know. And I think it is what passes for control. Yeah. Yeah. That he, right. So he feels like somehow like I'm on top of this shit. I know what you're up to, Jake. It's like, so what if he does fucking, I mean, okay. What if you do know what he's going to do? So we're, we're, you ain't going to do shit about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, yes, that is that is true. It gives you the semblance of control because you know what doesn't wait 48 hours? Crippling anxiety. That's true. Um, and in that moment, uh, Rebecca is not able to talk sense to Ted. We move on to now a very, very important scene in this episode. The locker room scene with the AFC Richmond players where they find out about the leak, uh, specifically about the wide leak, but then later about the uh, specificity of the leak that involves Keeley. And one of the missteps of this episode, one of the many missteps, I would say, uh, sadly, in with love <laughs> and apologies, uh, <laughs> is, is that um, in typical male fashion, Nobody takes the shit seriously until it hits them. And it really bugged me. That point, that bugged me. Uh, now, big picture, I agree with your point. I, I would say Isaac and... No, I, I feel like there's an array of reactions, and I think it matters in a big picture, a point I want to make about the scene, because... I got to this scene and I was like, oh, I should probably stretch before tomorrow's TED cast. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, this is a fucking nightmare. What is happening in this locker room right now? And, 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 and but, but I will say, uh, to give some credit, um, I don't think it was particularly well handled, if I'm honest, but I do feel like Isaac was immediately on the like, do not go fucking look at that. That's bullshit. I feel like other people started to chime in. Wait a minute. Well, don't take nudes if I, that all kind of I think it could have been handled better. But I do think it wasn't simply like a shrug. Like, I think they were there was a reaction in the room of like, ooh, some shit went down. Now, some of that reaction was past the lotion. I mean, I think somebody said like, oh, I know what I'll be doing this weekend. So, you know, that's true. That, but that was, was Colin. There's more to that it. was Colin. Oh, you're yeah. right. That's right. Colin. You're right. You're right. You're right. Which is also significant. Yeah, which is also significant. But I, I, I feel like there was some of that energy in the room. I don't feel like it was all like, oh, my God, they've been violated. I do feel like there were a few like, hey, send me the link kind of. You're not wrong. There was a lot going on in that room. But none of it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say none of it. It, it was um, no, no hard lines were drawn until it became personal. Yes. And that's when and that's when it happened. Yes, so. yes, 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 yes. And, and I and, 
Mm-hmm. Well, I talked about this in our Slack a little bit, but part of what bothered me about the scene, not just that it felt very PSA after school, especially, I didn't particularly like the chemistry or the rhythm. I also didn't like that it seemed very much like instead of being an organic conversation, it was a we'll have one point and then this counterpoint and then this counterpoint. And the, I didn't care for that. Yeah, I didn't buy it. What I really didn't care for is there was a real life leak like this. Uh, what was that? Seven, maybe eight years ago at this point. I believe some gross people on the Internet referred to it as the fappening, which was I'm into a vulgar gro- joke. That was gross. And when a shit ton of. Uh, mostly actresses, but a few other people's nudes and videos and other things were leaked. It feels a little bit like in real life, we have had this conversation. We worked a lot of this out. It feels weird that Ted Lasso is now revisiting this as if it didn't happen in real life or as if it's a slightly, either this is the first that they are hearing about it and dealing with it, or they're pretending that it did happen, but nobody had any additional insight? We're in the same place we were seven years ago. Like, I don't know. It didn't work so, for so, me. I, I hear you on that, and I think it's one. I <laughs> this comes up in a, in a. I'm going. I'm going up into the sky. So see, see you guys soon. All right. <laughs> so the Icarus moment with Coach Orlando. So here we go. Um, I think I hear what you're saying, and I'm I'm aware that that happened now. Interestingly, and there may be a gender dynamic even to this part, I didn't really remember it like that. Like, I remember, like, when you said, oh, this already happened, like, and I know there have been leaks, but, like, it it wasn't so locked into my head that this particular scenario, like, I was like, that's some shit that happens, that people release these things and it's fucked up and revenge porn and don't do it. Okay, great. My issue here was, or or my, my defense not of the way it was done, but that it was done, is that I don't think because we went through it in the some in the greater we way of discussing it, that that means we've been through it. So, for example, there are still people out there are, who will do a job interview with a Black person and unironically and in totally unaware of themselves say, he was so articulate. Now, I've had the articulate conversation for like 30 years. So to me, it's like, God damn, we doing articulate again today? What the fuck? But to this person who's never had that conversation, and and even if I can make the argument, you 50, I'm 50, how come you've never had this conversation? The truth of the matter remains that they have. And so either I can decide to have the conversation with them or I can allow them to continue in their ignorance. But they will not have had the conversation because I think they should have. And and in a little bit of the reaction to the team here feels like that to me because I'm like, well, yeah, they should have known in the first place, but why would they? And and this is how people behave, like they, you know what I mean? No, they don't get it because they're big studly guys who get these videos and get to enjoy them. They they should they care? Yeah, would they? So absolutely yes to everything you're saying. For the characters to not have thought about this is one thing. For the show to not acknowledge that it did happen in real life is the part that's off ah, for me. I that's see. what feels okay. different. Okay. That that feels yeah. like they are yeah. introducing yeah. this idea and that's not true. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is one of those things. First of all, it is gendered. And unfortunately, 
you know, women always have a harder road uh, around these dynamics. And we get a great line uh, later in the episode where Keeley says, can we restructure society so women aren't constantly mm-hmm. sexualized mm-hmm. while simultaneously being crucified for being sexual? That's all you really need to know about that uh, because it's a constant. I remember Bone saying it literally does not matter. Oh, this is Boss. Sorry, I call her Bone sometimes. Uh, boss saying like, yeah, it doesn't matter what the issue is. doesn't matter. They will society will always weigh in on whatever hurts women the most naturally that's it it doesn't matter if you say oh this thing was leaked then the woman who leaked it is uh sexually depraved and it's her fault you don't ever blame the leaker you don't ever blame the you know the the society she grew up in and no matter what and if it was another woman attacking uh uh keely for doing it society would also find a way to call her a shrew mm-hmm. and uh, right mm-hmm. harpy mm-hmm. and whatever mm-hmm. it, it is amazing mm-hmm. um you know men can be loud women are shrill it, this is a uh universal thing that we are all fighting against uh and uh are people who are trying to fight against it so well, yeah, go ahead, one coach. of the things i will con- i will concede is that it, it just felt like a shitty choice to me because once the sex tape came out, I'm like, I don't fucking care about this and I don't want to watch a show about it and I don't whatever. And maybe that's just because I have the privilege of being a man who um, no one would ever want to see naked. Uh, so that's part of the uh, part of the joy. <laughs> Uh, but, but, you know, in general, I'm like, I don't really, I don't, this isn't, this isn't that interesting to me. You know, it's not, it wasn't that interesting to me either. It's not just that I didn't care for it. It's that I was like, this is actually boring. You somehow turned uh, a video of uh, Keely being overtly sexual boring. So, all right. I, I, I hear you. I'm, 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 I don't know that I'm as far on the continuum of it's absolutely boring. I think the treatment of it ended up making it boring. I think that the... Uh, all right. There was a there was an article <laughs> there was an article this woman wrote was like a, at least a decade ago. She's a white woman living in Brooklyn and she went to this yoga studio and um the, all these like I you know I guess like thick black women there at the yoga studio and I guess she was this little you know skinny white woman so she writes her article about how it just be you know she's just sitting in there and realizing like her privilege that her body type has been viewed this way and thinking about these women and how they feel in this class. And several black women I knew personally, I mean, they went after her. Like I was like, well, goddamn, leave something for the buzzards. Right. And so whew, they lit her ass up. And one of my points then, because some women I very much respect were like, fuck this, right? And I was like, wow, like this is, it was a strong and immediate and unanimous reaction. And I was like, wow. And what I said then, and I, and I mean it, and I've run into it in race with race too, is you have every right to have that reaction. But the truth of the matter is that white woman got to that Brooklyn studio, however the fuck she got there. And as much as she's saying some shit, some of which seems off base and some of it which seems on point, but crazily rudimentary, rudimentary, it's new to her. It's new to her. So either say you're just it's cool to tell her to shut the fuck up. But if you tell her to shut the fuck up, what you're saying is essentially don't discuss race because this is the level at which she can discuss it. So when she later on is in a in an HR meeting and they're like, we're going to do a, a thing about bias. And she's like, eh, 
I talked about race. Didn't go so great. Think I'm going to sit this one out. We have to accept that that's how she feels because when she, you know, when she stumbled, we said, why the fuck don't you know how to run? So I just think one of the things that I'm going to push on with us with this is also, yeah, there's some clumsy shit here around it, but if you don't give room for, in this case, men, let's say, who are watching this to stumble, then they'll never learn how to run. So I don't want to make my criticism sound like I'm telling the show it needs to shut down or that they shouldn't be talking about it. It's just like, uh, very basically, they tried something and it didn't work. Great intentions. I love that they tried it. It's basically, it's just, you, you tried to make a cake Mm -hmm. and this cake sucks. And I'm sorry, you didn't, Mm -hmm. you didn't like bake again, but this cake is not it. I, you know what? And I think that's fair. I think, yeah, that's right. Coach, and that's the thing, like, you know, we, we have the privilege of being men uh, and we just have it easier. And so it's like, sometimes, you know, some, one of the very, very legitimate criticisms that was happened on the, um, internal writer's room uh, message boards this morning was it's exhausting for women to have to see moron men learn this shit so (laughs) fucking late in the game. You know, it's like exhausting. Listen, listen, listen. It's because the second, because when you're a little girl and, and you're, you start developing breasts or whatever. Now all of a sudden, like you'll be in a supermarket at 11, 12, and you'll see a 58 year old man ogling you and you go, what the fuck? You start to learn this in a different way. Yeah. And you yeah, learn yeah. it because of like just the toxicity that's out there. And none of these men, granted, none of these men are being taught at all. I mean, it's, I don't want to say none as a blanket statement, but f- there's a reason why we can't distinguish between masculinity and toxic masculinity because no one's teaching masculinity or what that means. And so it automatically defaults to the worst elements of whatever testosterone brings. So this is an issue and it's exhausting for women. And one of the the points is like, you know, that women will watch this show because, you know, it's, they'll, they'll support this initiative. But if you had a show where, none of this shit was happening and it was all just sort of woman based. Typically men wouldn't watch it. And that was something that was, you know, infinitely frustrating for uh, the, the, the women on the staff of, of uh, the writer's room, because it's like, and, and, and again, this is written by a, a, well, a man and a woman in this particular episode, but you're talking about one of the great writing staffs uh, on television ever. today. And, yeah. Ever. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. Which is comprised is not only men, it's men and women, men and women directors, men and women department heads, men and women, everything. The editor, uh, t- top editor is a man and a woman. Uh, 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 and not in that order, I don't think. I think the the, the woman is the boss, <laughs> and the, I think. Um, and so you go, okay, uh, even in that environment where pro- uh, progressive ideals rule – God, this still shit is still happening, and and so that's what makes it a little bit tough to swallow. I I I, I hear that. And, I guess, and it, I hear that, and it's valid, and it and it should totally. If that's where people land, that's where they land. I think there's also okay. This is the analogy for me. To me, we know that. Roy not being able to ride a bike equals men not having been not men not knowing as grown men 
how to manage their emotions effectively or engage around and and have that level of emotional intelligence of right and wrong around some of these issues. I think that in a in a in a pure way we could all be Jamie and 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 the bicycle thief. <laughs> uh Throwing our heads back and going, are you fucking kidding me? You're an adult. How do you not know this? But it, but there's another, there's a next step, which is, do we keep laughing or do we Jamie this slash Ted Lasso this and say, well, at some point, this motherfucker is going to have to learn how to put feet on pedals and keep it moving and get out to the window. And so... I feel so. I guess I'm I'm finding myself going. I get it. I get why a grown man saying and a, an athlete at that saying I don't know how to ride a bicycle is like what the fuck. And I'm saying he ain't gonna learn to ride a bicycle by us selling him he should know. He's just gonna stand there being told he should know and still not know how to ride a bicycle. <laughs> I um. You've left him. So listen, I think that this is going to be one of the things that we need to get into in the deep dive later, because it's going to be a fundamental sort of debate that you and I are going to be having, which is interesting because I'm used to ripping uh, Coach Castleton's face off, not yours. It's going to be new. But I I think that there comes a point where it's not just about, again, what I said before, I think. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be learning. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be anybody teaching them right now. I'm saying that I don't think this episode is good. And and so it's not Mm -hmm. about like, Mm -hmm. I I think that that is where the criticism comes in. Like, if you're going to do this shit, do it well. Keep trying. Keep doing it again. But this Mm -hmm. was not Mm -hmm. good. This was not good. Yeah. The intent intent is there and the intent is admirable. They didn't didn't stick the landing on this one Um, or the vault or the approach. Or driving. Yeah, no. This was this was the like the, when you see the clip of the 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 woman running up and like the vault thing doesn't work, so she just like slams. slams into yes. The, no. This was that, not. That, like, this, this is, is this yeah. Yeah. Stick the landing. We're we're way from stick the landing. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is yes. the the agony of defeat clip. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. exactly. Yeah. Um. Before we go on, I want to make sure I, I accidentally in in. I've apparently lost the ability to read because of this episode, but we went right past uh, when Ted and Rebecca uh, in their office between that and the locker room guys, there was also the, the scene with Keely and Babs um, where Barbara brings in the statement. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Where she brings in the horrible statement, the horrible statement where Keely is supposed to apologize for everything that she's ever done and say that she'll never let that happen again. She will not be a human woman with sexual urges and technology in the modern world and will shut, hide herself away. Until she could make amends to everybody she's offended. I, I thought that was a silver lining. I thought that scene was a silver lining. Not the statement, not anything else. I thought the scene. I thought the acting, the relationship between the characters. I thought that was a silver lining in this show and, and had a level of nuance and maturity that the rest of the show is missing. And why and th- compare that to the locker room and you get the distance yes. between an after school special and what I expect Ted Lasso to be. And also there is something about the fact that Babs read the statement that was sent over from Jack, who had gotten it from her dad's lawyer or whatever bullshit, that Babs had read the statement and knew to apologize to Keely, not just because of what had happened, but also because she was about to hand her this garbage statement that was going to yes. affect her relationship with this, her girlfriend. I think Babs is actually, I, of all the people that they have, I feel like, introduced this season, she is 
the one I like sticking around. I I agree, and I thought it was particular. Look to me, integrity is a real like that shit. I mean, you know, and to me, you got to remember, Babs is order. Babs is the bosses say a thing. So the bosses say the sky is green. The sky is green. As you've said, as you've told me many times, (laughs) right? So when she looks at that statement from the bosses, from the authorities, from the money people who are the grownups in the room who know that you don't just buy fucking flowers every month because they're pretty. And she goes, nah, this is some bullshit. Like that is called character. That is called integrity. And it's called reality because she still delivers it because. Yes. Also that. This is Unfortunately, she's got a, that's why she, if she wants to keep, eating yogurt in her pajamas on the tube, she better do her fucking job. And that's like sad. It no, sucks. It's yeah. But it's, right. it's what life is. And I can't, I have worked for so many places over the years and I, it's so rare that you get people at the top that are competent. It just doesn't happen. Like I can't tell you how many places, Oh, the son inherited this thing. And then the son is a complete jerk or, Oh, this is run by these people and they're crazy. And you go, Oh my God, it's so obnoxious. Like very, very seldom have I been in play. And this is just one, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, sample group of one, but it just very, uh, disturbing that, you know, all the years is, I can't point to a single organization, um, where I, there was one that was okay, but then they brought in middle managers who were the devil and you just go, Oh God, now why would you do that? Because they're getting bad advice or something. So, um, anyway, this is, uh, the Keely and the Babs moment was something I accidentally uh, passed. Let's get back to the end of the locker room where Isaac tells everybody to delete their phones. Uh, my favorite moment in that is Jamie peeking at Will's phone. Yes, that was great. The the appraisal. <laughs> He's like, oh, damn. Okay. I damn. wondered if it was the threesome. Yeah, that's what I thought. Might have been. Yeah, I wondered if it was. You never, you never know. Kitman Will, they should have they, they, they got those uh, fish bowls with him. Are you, oh, I'm glad you said that. They should have got the, those fish bowls with them because, yeah, he seems like he is a super fun wingman because he he's down for whatever. Like he got morals and he has all the sense of adventure. Like that's a that's a rare and wonderful combination for somebody to have some fun with. But he, what I love about Will is they could have made him a cartoon character. He's this 25-year-old, kind of boyish, blah, 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 right? And instead, he's a man. Like, he's a young man. He's a sort of innocent man. He's just starting to see the world. But he is a man. Like, he does. He sees a little kid come around, and he's like, hmm, how could I entertain you? By letting you do my motherfucking work and turn it into a game? Like, and I was like, fuck yeah. That's exactly what you do, Will. Is that the, like, purest heart thing to do in the world? No? Is it hilarious? Hell yeah! Like, I just, I I love that they've somehow managed to make him boyish and charming and all these things, and at the same time, he's still a dude. Like, when the lady said, do you want to be in a threesome, he, he, I did not get the sense by the way he slammed that bus uh, door closed that he said no. I get the sense that that's the way he spent the rest of his motherfucking evening. And I was like, good for you, Will. Good for you. So anyway, I, I really like him. Absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely be able to get into Will more in a, in a future deep dive. That's what she uh, said. There's, ver- 
I love you. <laughs> I love balls. You can catch us on my yeah. new album, Shit I Made Up During the Ted Cast. I love balls. That's right. That's right. Yuck it up. That's right. Good. Because we're just about to introduce <laughs> oh, the God. scene with Isaac and Colin. So, yeah, everybody want to be in a laughy mood? Oh, why you got to be like that? Why, why you got to be uh, like that? I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about this other than the fact that now Isaac, who has made homophobic remarks, who we've talked about uh, being Nigerian and from a country where there are people ritualistically stoned to death for their sexual um, uh, their their orientation. You just go, it's it's depressing. And now uh, all we saw was Isaac look and. You know, again, this is a we're this is not a deep dive, so we're not going to discuss the merits of oh, should Isaac have pulled the phone out of Colin's hand? This is what happened, and this is what we're confronted with. And then we saw Isaac give him a little nod, hand the phone back, and then we have not had any closure on that, and nor will we in this episode. But that's the important takeaway. I, I think yes, and I think there's a whole lot when we unpack this. But the one thing I think is important, even from a, a, a high level view is Isaac as the captain has a decision to make here. And I think it does matter in a broader view of this show, which is, do you get to show up and bark how you bark in our Diamond Dogs meeting? Or even within the, in, the, in the midst of our spiritual Diamond Dogs meeting, is, a, is there a certain way to bark? Because there's one thing I'll tell you about Trent bark. It was different and distinctive than anybody else's that we've heard this far. We've heard a lot of different barking back and forth and blah, blah, blah. Trent had his own bark. And I, and I, I smiled when he did it because I thought this is a room where, Hey, apparently that's Trent's bark. The diamond dogs barking will forever be changed. And it will include that fucking sound. And the question to Isaac is, can you be the captain of a team that operates that way and say, that's how Colin barks. That's how Colin barks. May not be how I bark. Ted don't have to start barking like Trent. But can you can you run a team, Isaac, where you can respect that that's how Colin barks? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to find out. Um, when we had uh, the statement scene with, with Barbara and Keely, we saw Keely leave. Um, I have taken mentally to calling the two people that sit across from Dan in KJPR the Spaniards. Because I like to believe they don't speak English. I've decided that they that's, the, the that seems reasonable. Funny. That is yeah, very, we haven't very seen funny. a word out of either one yeah, of them. And I thought, funny. okay, what if we find out they're just Although, they just don't speak English? I'm gonna guess that most Spaniards definitely speak English. I, I feel like everywhere is more uh fluent and linguistic than the US. So they might. Who I was knows? gonna say I was gonna say thanks. Thanks for reminding us that, boss, that not everybody views speaking a second language as a betrayal of one's nation. Um, yes. So that's nice. So anyway, this next scene is Keely uh, ending up in Rebecca's office where she gives Keely some some good advice. And there was real I, – I mentioned in the diner with the uh, – not the diner, the restaurant where Rebecca ordered the uh, many um, wine bottles on uh, on Jack's tab – uh, that that Keely was like kind of hugging Rebecca, and Rebecca was a little stiff eating bread or whatever. I thought um, this is 
very much the opposite of that. Rebecca is very engaged. And I thought she was an excellent friend to Keely in this moment. And um, this felt a little closer to Ted Lasso to me and felt like I was more interested because I love these two characters, even though once again, the only thing they ever seem to contend with is relationship dynamics, which is, which is borderline insulting, but also I just wish we would see Keely rise to the occasion. Now, now that she's had time to react to it, I wish this was like, okay, let's, let's attack this from a PR standpoint. And how do we, how do we like, you know, sort of, sort of turn this around. And, and, you know, one of the big things in, in, in public relations is, you know, there's no such thing as bad press. Right. Um, right. So how do you spin this in a way that uh, would benefit Keely as opposed to uh, uh, hurt her? But we didn't get any of that, but at least we did get um, some, some true affection and, and wise counsel from Rebecca. I thought some of the wisdom in the council and the relationship stuff and yes, deep dive, Let we'll, 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 we'll come back to some of that. Um, but I thought it was significant that Keely leaves a little room open to say, well, should I be ashamed? And Rebecca doesn't answer her. And the non-answer is more answer than she could have ever given. She could have given a 20-minute speech about, of course not, and women, and we're people, and human. She just looked at her like, girl, you know good and goddamn well you ain't supposed to be ashamed of no shit like this. Next. Like, it just was, and I thought that was excellent. I thought that was, it spoke to relationship, it spoke to both their mentalities, and I think it, um, yeah. So I, 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 I want to call that out because I think, I hear the relationship thing. I think there's more quality to the Rebecca and Keeley thing than 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 maybe comes through if we just if we simply say, oh, all they care about is having a baby and having a relationship and what their old husband is doing. I I, I get where there's, a, there's it's not perfect, but I don't think it's like bad on that level if we just leave it at that. In a better episode, we would talk about the theme, and we'll do this in the deep dive, about everybody's hung up on something. Ted uh, is hung up on Michelle. Nate is hung up on Ted. Uh, uh, Rebecca started the season hung up on Rupert until she saw Rupert cheating with Miss Cakes, and then all of a sudden she seemed to get over that. Uh, Roy is hung up on Keeley uh, in a way, or or something along those lines. Um, you know, So there's all these different... There's so many hangups going on, <laughs> and I'm sure there's more that I'm just not saying right now. But uh, unfortunately, we didn't, we weren't able to see those things because it was not a very uh, engaging episode. On the way out of Rebecca's office, Keely bumps into Roy, who asks her um, who the video was for, and it was a terrible uh, choice on his part. And depending on how you feel about Roy, which obviously he is, uh, I think I've I've made it clear that. Uh, he is one of my my very dear favorites. My sense about Roy was he was like, who was it so I can visit them at 4 a.m. with a red rope? That's what the, what oh. I took out of it. But I know other people. I think the more common uh, thing was some somehow that uh, he asked. I don't know why he, why he asked. See, I don't know why Roy would ask unless he asked. Well, because it wasn't about may them. I, may I jump in? So anyway, but listen, let's not, Coach. I know you're wanting you're you're licking your chops to deep dive this, but. We really, um, we got to zip through. You, definitely, if you have something to say, absolutely. 
So, so I think I think there's going to be a lot around uh, around love generally in this, and I think in this scene between the two of them, he gets it right and then he gets it wrong. That's the way I read this scene. He comes up because she needs him, and that's about her, and that's the love that we first see, and it feels unbelievably beautiful. And there's a little part of me that goes, yay, my mom and dad are going to get back together. And folks are like, these are fictional characters, Orlando, stop. And But then beyond that, <laughs> <laughs> but then beyond that, Roy needs to know it. And I don't think he needs to know it because he's going to visit. I mean, certainly if she said to him, somebody took revenge on me and did this, he'd be happy to go get his rope for 4 a.m., but I don't think he asked for that reason. I think he asked because the question is killing him. He wants to know. And I think part of him already thinks it's Jamie. And I think he want he and because after he asks it, his reaction isn't, oh, she misunderstood. His reaction to me was more like, fuck, I just shouldn't have said it. I just shouldn't have said it. Yeah, you know, that's that is uh, that is very true. Um, I think that's the, yeah, who knows? We'll, we're going to, I'm sure this will, will be sorted out, uh, at a later date. I know that, um, it's easy to also see Roy, uh, in black in this episode and Jamie later in white and, and infer some, some things. Um, there's a, there's, there's threads about, you know, how men handle, women's relationships and women's sexuality before they were involved with the particular man that that is very difficult for a lot of men to either uh, understand uh, or in a worse way accept and not sort of violate uh, in, in, a, in a terrible way whether it's emotionally or um, you know just be putting themselves in a place where they don't belong and saying like oh you know who was it and that sort of thing who knows we're gonna find out uh, I think at a later date. Get- over it right that's yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly right uh now we have ted reading to henry uh this is a this is a uh, you know, not a terrible, not a terrible scene in the way that some of the other ones were terrible, but uh, very. Uh, in a later deep dive, I will I will talk about uh, this dynamic of having your children um, in another household and you don't know what's going on with them. And you have to do this balance balancing act of you say like, okay, my ex is not telling me anything. And so you're like, you try to talk to the kids in a way that where you're okay. Are you, you know, are you okay? Is everything okay? <laughs> Cause you're not getting anything from the, you're not getting anything, even, uh, even basic stuff. So I really, uh, understood, uh, Ted going through this. Um, and you know, that part was, uh, was tough. This was obviously he was reading, um, in this scene, there was a, he was reading the book by, uh, Marcus Rashford, who is a, um, he is a superstar, um, on the English, uh, England, uh, na- national team. And he was one of the players. The, the book is the Breakfast Club Adventures. Um, he grew up poor in Manchester, the same place, uh, Jamie is from. Um, and, uh, I think he's been awarded for his advocacy dealing with, uh, child hunger. And, um, he, he worked on getting the uh, UK government to, uh, during, during COVID, there was this real hubbub about, uh, free uh, meals program. And Marcus Rashford, like really made it happen. And he was also one of the, 
uh, two young black players who missed penalties in the Euro 2020 oh, finals. Oh, uh, okay. I remember All right. That mm-hmm. Okay. So you remember Sudeikis Damn, wore a yeah. shirt that said Marcus and okay. So j- I'm just putting that on, on people's radar as a, to let people know, who, you know, the book he's reading. I think it was great. Um, but in general, Ted, uh, almost Henry ends up dozing off without Ted getting much information. Ted is a little disappointed in himself. And that's a very interesting uh, line to walk. We cut over from one bed to another where Nate wakes up his bed and we get a a texting thing with Jade that it's funny because sometimes uh, I'm not all that influenced by what other people think about anything. But I know I read some things where people are like, oh, I just really want Nate to, you know, get a, you know, sort of redeemed and stuff and i'm like based on what like what it just bothers me so like every time i see now it's the point where i really wanted to like jade more and and we've tried to uh, ascribe personality traits to her like that oh she was kind of fucking with him and she's kind of got a dry sense of humor but in this episode i found myself liking jade less because i'm like why why would you like i don't understand what she's attracted to what is what have we seen that is that is worthy of her time. Later on, she's like, oh, you're tremendous or something. She says that. And again, and it's not a deep dive, so I don't have the script in front of me. But um, yeah. Eh, eh. I'm only going to say that I think they're doing a weird, not, I don't want to call them incels. I don't want to say that because it's Ted Lasso and we love this show, but there's a weird incel thing happening where Guys who don't have girlfriends think I am totally worthy of a kick-ass, wonderful, amazing girlfriend in life and everything else. If only everybody else recognized how great I am. It feels like instead of Nate doing anything in order to earn Jade, he is being himself and she is recognizing how wonderful he is. And then he's becoming better. No, it goes back to uh, Cheney and Bush. And I will throw in now Clarence and Jenny Thompson. I'm sure they love each other tremendously. I'm also sure that they're fucking terrible. So being in love does not make you a better person ever. If Nate sucks, Nate sucks. If he's good, then he's good. But having Jade around doesn't impact that whatsoever. I'm going to be clipping uh, being in love doesn't make you a better person for the I Love Boss remix. <laughs> Featuring Coach yeah. Castleton. It's not. Yeah, no, no. It's it's just not. I'm not into this scene at all. At all. Like, but at it, all. I'm like, and so, so the next scene out. is. Yeah. The next, seriously, the next scene is now we get, oh God, Keely is, walks in, in her pretty woman dress. Um, That's what I connected it to. That's a Julia Roberts dress and pretty woman. And we find out that. That's the whole thing. It's really pretty woman. It's a, we're, we're, this is rom communism. So they're going to see a polo match. Jack uh, is, is, you know, we find out, oh, sorry, yeah, I canceled that because uh, I didn't think you'd want to go with all the press, where, in fact, I'm 100% sure that it was like, yeah, you, yeah, I can't bring her to to this. Like, there's no way. That wasn't her thinking of, of Keely. That was her thinking of herself as a billionaire's daughter and understanding the rules of engagement, um, which are shit, by the way. Um, Selfish versus it, selfless. Yep. And so the whole thing is so she's like, let's get all dolled up. Uh, by the way, Keely's dress also had a tag on it still, if you notice, which is an exact, yeah, exact a reference to uh, Julia Roberts' character. Um, and yeah, 
that's generally let's go do something fun. I'll get I'll get an amazing outfit and we'll go do something fun. And the minute that there's the suggestion of talking about anything and and and, and making it um worthy of discussion, Jack immediately is like, "All right, take your clothes off again." Which I'm like, "What in the fuck?" <laughs> like, I ah, uh, so gross. And listen, they're doing Keely dirty. I mean, they just did her dirty. I'll tell you that when Roy said the thing he said, and then when he was like, okay, here's the thing. We are three people who follow this. uh, I'm not going to say the most in the world, but we are among the biggest diehards for this show. And we really analyze it and we really care about it. And we, we don't know. We are in, we are in, in a slight disagreement about Roy's intentions when he says that regardless, regardless, I don't remember another episode of this show where they use the tropes that I hate from like melodrama and daytime television. That was a daytime TV moment because they don't ever do the thing where like, oh, if one person just said the thing, then we would have like Keely's like, why would you? Why isn't Keely say she doesn't? She was just quiet and walks away. I'm like, this is this is a person like you have bared your soul to. And, and and both ways. And yeah, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, in the deep dive. But it's like, this is Keely and Roy. At some, even though they're a little distant right now, she could be like, Roy, why are you asking me that? Like, it's not like her to just like close up, quiet. She drives away. Roy goes, fuck. That is a, that is a soap opera move right there. That is not worthy of Ted Lasso in my No, mind. no, that, no. You but never hold on. You have see to have that. the capacity. You have to have the capacity to help somebody else. And she, and I, and I would fight back that. She, her whole capacity right now is taken up by her own shit. And so she ain't got time to be helping uh, Roy understand why that was a big step back in his, his evolution as a man. I just think she wouldn't have capacity for it. She feels alone in the world. She feels alone in the world. And then for a glimmer of a moment, she thinks, ah, uh, Here's one of my people who's here and here for me and me alone. And then she finds out, nope, he's part of everybody else and I'm still alone. What well, based on what? Because he asked the question? Because he asked Because the he came we and all, checked on her. All... Did you did you look at her face? She when he came and checked on her, that was a moment. And I think it was a moment. He wanted to make sure she was okay. And that really did matter. We're, we're talk- Coach, we're talking about two different things, I think. What I'm saying is, yes, you're, I'm conceding. He did check on her everybody's fallout. The big reaction is when he asks the question, it is because everybody's assuming like it has a selfish intent on his part and that he, like, he is like, I don't know. He's going to white knight or he's going to do it. Like, that's the, that's the intention. That's the, the, we don't, but we don't understand that because then they didn't discuss it. And this show never does that. Show me another time where someone says any, pick any two characters of any level on this show where they say something that's, morally ambiguous or confusing and then they don't immediately address it it's not what this show does i i i I will not drag us too far down because i'd have to think about the specifics of that one thing you just said but i actually would like to i'm going to write down at the end what you said what it is a moment like that because i think yeah you write it down motherfucker because i'm gonna find it because you see why i'm gonna kill his ass every day every day i do i'm going Um, actually no I'm going to um, only only time in my life I'm going to play mother and separate you two boys and say that I need to rewatch it to figure out more how I feel, um, because 
I understand where you're coming from, Castleton. I don't know if everybody read it as being as morally ambiguous as you might be. So we're going to put yes. a pin in it. I, yeah, I, no, no, I, I totally to, agree. To me, I felt that that was Roy going, you know, that's my girl. Like, like everybody watch somebody, everybody watch my girl do that for somebody else. Here, here's here's what I'll concede, and, and then we can move on. It was the worst possible way to do whatever the yes, fuck he was trying to whatever do. Whatever he, he was trying to do. He yeah. blew it. He fucking blew it. And then he knew he blew it. And it, whatever he was attempting to do, yeah, he he that was a terrible, terrible option to try to accomplish that. Um, okay. Uh now so we have um Ted Beard and Henry at breakfast uh with Henry, uh Ted Beard and Henry, and and they're talking about what they're gonna do for the day. And very quickly, we get to the, you know, the point where uh, there, there's a, in, in, uh, sort of a little moment between Ted and Beard, which is funny, where Beard assumes that Henry might be a little him and the, and be interested in things like raves and uh, and being chased by Jack the Ripper. Uh, there's a great moment where Ted's like, he's a little, what the hell's wrong with you, man? He's a little boy, uh, which I that was so American and awesome. That felt to me, that felt like a moment between a European child rearing and American child rearing. That to me, that's what that felt like. Oh, um, interesting. But um, yeah, it just so yeah, it was so funny. Um, but then we find out Henry wants to go to a game, and then in short order, the only game playing being played, which I don't understand why, is the West Ham game, and we see after a brief stop at Beard's uh, house to get his kit, um, we see them in the stands at West Ham. I want to highlight one thing there, which is Ted loves his son. And the context of what we've been talking about, Ted loves his son. Jamie Tart jersey getting signed when he was just about to rip Jamie's face off. Now he can wear the West Ham jersey. He Henry doesn't need to to pollute himself with what's going on amongst grown folks. You want to go root for Nate and wear the West Ham jersey, then that's fine. And I'll, you know, and so I thought that was um I thought that I thought that was incredibly cool and I also love that it was beyond the comprehension of Nate Disco or Rupert that there would be anything short of absolutely nefarious reasons for Ted to be there. Yeah, no, it's good. And it proves once and for all, uh, not that there was ever any doubt, but that Ted is a much better person than me because the other day my kids started making making fun of me at breakfast for the Bruins being ousted from the playoffs. And uh, the death stare. <laughs> really? Oh, my oh God. My God. I, like, even I'm like, all right, guys, we've gone too far. Like, I've joined them in harassing you, and I'm like, all right, this is too much. This is too much, guys. <laughs> uh, they're like, oh, is Gorilla going to cry? Um. Anyway, oh my uh, God! All right, we'll yeah, talk about that yeah, later. yeah. <laughs> and Gorilla did. Um, so uh, we get um, now. Uh, this is now goes to mini golfing, where the important takeaway of the mini golfing scene is there. Jack is uh, looking uh, splendiferous in a uh, all white uh, two piece suit of some kind, and the biggest pearl I've ever seen. Uh, on her neck, single pearl. Uh, I think that's a, technically a fuck you pearl. Uh, if that's, I think that's the technical name. And the uh, Keely is looking beautiful in the uh, Julia Roberts ensemble. And we get a little brief thing where Jack is amazing at mini golf and Keely is amazing at cheating uh, by her own uh, admission. And then we get a visit from 
an outsider. The outsider is uh, played by someone I don't know since this isn't a deep dive. I haven't done my homework yet, but I thought she was absolutely spot on, Mm -hmm. like spot on. Mm -hmm. And she represented a university friend of, of um, Jack's and Jack introduces Keely as her friend. And Keely notices that. And there was a understanding between Jack and the, the visitor of, of a world that Keely has never been and will never be part of, um, no matter how much they play dress up. And that began to, in addition to, to the um, statement, that drove what seems to be a slightly even further wedge between Keely and Jack from Keely's side of the equation. That's it. No one's saying anything. I got nothing on mini golf. Great. I have I got I, I got some shit, but I but I don't fuck up your rapid reaction. Perfect. Good. That's all Thank I'm gonna you. say. I'm gonna tell my friends at home. He 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 he's got the he's got the shackles on me. No, that was too racial. <laughs> shackles was too much. Shackles Holy No, shackles was too dude. much. Shackles was too much. No, I'm sorry. I did not mean to go with shackles. That is unfair. That was unfair. No, no, I'm owning it. I'm owning it. We can't go leave it in because I definitely want it out there like in the world it might fuck up his life, but it was unfair. I'll say that. So then we're in Nate's office. Thank you, boss. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (sighs) No, but I, I, so listen, because I've been so hard on Nate, I feel like I should acknowledge that in this moment, Rupert texts Nate, says something about, I can't believe that Ted was there. That'll never happen again. Nate does start to write, it's not a problem. I thought it was funny. And then, of course, erases it and then writes, a good, thank you. The only thing I'll say is that this was, uh, to me, very similar to at the uh, Richmond West Ham game when somebody pointed out that Nate didn't shake Ted's hand. He went to go do it. And then instead of going and apologizing the way that he's supposed to, he backed out. So even when he's making the attempts, he's not following through. I will save the rest for later. I I think also it's actually a moment for Nate that I find is like, right. Like he made the right choice. You may feel that in some cosmic way, you now understand that Ted has a point and it's perfectly fine for him to be there. You don't work in a theoretical cosmic place. You work at fucking West Ham. So you're there now. Don't 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 change up now. You better live by West Ham rules. He, I thought he made the right choice. You don't work at Richmond. Do not send a text saying it's okay for Ted to be in the stands. You're gonna get fired. So, <laughs> deep dive stuff. We get to Ted Beard and Henry outside the uh, pub. And this is oh, not yeah, a favor oh. to you. This is a favor to me because I need to do some additional research about Brendan Hunt and the Beatles. I know some things based on some podcasts that I listen to. But basically what happens here is that uh, Beard and Henry have a very nice moment while they are discussing the Beatles. I need to do much, much more research before I could comment on this fully. Um, but Beard does sort of console Henry through the divorce. And I want to talk about this at length. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, boss. That is... Uh... Okay, all I'll say is, all I know is the song Hey Jude is sung by Brentford fans. Brentford uh, is a team which, uh, as you might remember, was the team that um, in the final match of last season, uh, Richmond's draw with them 
um, is what got them uh, promoted basically. Uh, so that was a, that was a nice little beat. Um, also I, I've heard anecdotally about coach beard that he has an audio, uh, thing on Apple fitness plus. This is a plug for Apple fitness plus apparently. Um, yeah. and, uh, he talks about the connection. He has the song, Hey Jude and his childhood nickname was Nana. And so when he was at white Sox games, He'd go there as a kid, and he thought that they were all singing his name. Oh. Oh, shit. See, this is exactly why I didn't want to talk about this, because I didn't want you showing me up about Brendan Hunt trivia. I assumed he was a Cubs fan because he sang the seventh inning stretch at the Cubs game last year. But finding out that my beloved Brendan Hunt is also a White Sox fan makes me love him more. Again, with the love meters being busted. I'm gonna tell the, a joke the, now, just to ex- just to extend this because I know it's gonna make Coach want to die. But the, off of the Nana thing, there's a joke about uh, there being this guy who's Puerto Rican. He moved to the United. He moved to the mainland, and he said, "How'd you like the baseball game?" He said, "It was it was amazing. At the beginning, they all stood up to ask Jose, can you see?' That's super racist and." Uh, He's going to cut it, but I just did it to fuck with him. (laughs) What is happening? What is happening, coach? Oh, my God. Between that and shackles, man, I I am. Enough with the tongue lashing. Oh, sorry. I did it again. No, I'm kidding. All right. Come on. Keep going. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. The important thing about the pub scene is that Ted goes away to take a call from Rebecca to talk about PIs. And in the meantime, uh, Beard has a moment with Henry where he talks about the history of the song Hey Jude, which was uh, written by Paul McCartney for John Lennon's son, Julian. And um, you, the, the, the thing I thought was powerful was beard saying hey you you have the power to take a sad song and make it better you might feel like you're in a sad song right now but you henry have the power to take a sad song and make it better to which henry's i forget what his exact words were he says something like yeah i really like that like it felt very ted lasso to me um and showed a side of beard we rarely see because i never i think he's like one of those people that doesn't understand children i know boss has often waxed poetic about how she doesn't get get kids at all. Um, it's always funny to me that when people, when I see non-kid people with people, with kids, uh, cracks me up. Boss? Oh, I'm actually great with kids. I just don't want them. Ah, okay. Oh, okay. So maybe it wasn't you that said that. Some people just don't know how to talk to kids. Me they just neither. do not. Yeah. I, I I do know how to talk to them, but I, uh, I don't do the baby voice. You know how with little kids, oh, that's so wonderful. I say, oh, yeah? What do you got? What are you playing with there? You want to? You want to play some cards? So that's actually why they like me. Against humanity? If it's Christmas. Cards against humanity. Otherwise, right. no. Tradition. So so um, now we uh, – that's that's the most important thing. And also that on the call, Ted gets some sage advice from Rebecca, and she's like, get the fuck over it and go back to your kid. And um, again, this is – you're really getting some Ted Becca truther stuff here <laughs> where people are like, yeah, this is, this is the connection. They, they don't even know they have this important connection and, and yet they do. Uh, now we go back to 
Keely is at home. Jack shows up, has an amended version of the statement, which you see their perspectives very clearly. Keely doesn't want to sign it and apologize for behavior she is not uh, does not feel apologetic about. She does not feel ashamed of it. She doesn't feel like she should be forced to say sorry for something she's not sorry for. Uh, Jack isn't having it. Uh, Jack is talking about damage control. She's very obviously the daughter of a billionaire as opposed to being the billionaire because she knows the rules of the game on her end and she wants to make sure she plays right so as not to fuck up her play. And uh, this is this – is, we get to see Jack's true colors. It's pretty obvious. Jack says, I think I'm going to go. Keely asks if she'll be back and Jack says she doesn't know. Uh, that's a bookend parallel for Jack asking, are there any other videos of the, the out here? And Keely says she doesn't know. And so it was an appropriate use of the, uh, of the mechanism of bookending for the, I don't know line. Um, now we get to Nate and Jade and they are, I don't know. I don't know. I guess Nate woke up, went to, like a different place to shower and shave and whatever. And Jade feels very comfortable, uh, urinating, um, you know, and where, where Nate can hear her that this is a marvel for Nate, uh, who I, I guess didn't understand that women pee. Um, and, uh, I don't think anything about it and didn't want to be around it. Wait, was that, I thought that was when they woke up. I thought that this was when they talked about Ted and beard and Henry being at, the West Ham match at night over glasses of wine. Yeah, that is right. I totally fucked that up. Yes. Nah, it exactly does. Right. <laughs> it's, it's because I'm literally watching the show as we're doing this. And also this is the entirety of the amount of time that I want to devote to talking about what they're doing before we talk about why what they're doing isn't working for me. So that's it. They had wine. They talked. He's her boyfriend, I guess. It's fine. It's all about Nate. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) Also, like a weird timeline where it's like, oh, you know, four games passed. So I guess like a month has passed in real time. Right. And then now I guess a month of them dating makes them boyfriend. I I don't really know. I don't get it. And I don't care. And I didn't. uh, I want to care because I love the show, but I don't. I don't care. I don't. I can't force myself to care. care. That's why. How the fuck was her day? Did anybody have the fucking baklava? What the fuck? It's so goddamn divine. Ask her about it. I mean, like, it's all about Nate. What? How do I want to label us or not label us? I don't want you to know that my breath stinks in the morning. He didn't go brush his teeth because he doesn't want to burn out her nose hairs. He goes and brushes his teeth (laughs) because she wants to make sure that she doesn't smell his bad breath and he can pretend that he said wonderkind. This is not love. I, I think that you're totally right, Coach. I don't, and I don't know why the writers seem to be just, just not. There's no head nod to it either. Like, un- unless it's they think it's so obvious that they don't think they need a head nod. The gentleman at the Love Hounds who said, uh, "Yeah, I'd love to talk about taking care of my elderly parents." And Nate's like, "Well, I'll start." And then when he didn't get the response he wanted, he kicked him out. And I'm like, "Well, this is not like he is. That is not that is." I'm not going to say it's Colin level bad, but it's it's a like what? Why it's would it's, no, ever, it's, it's actually, why would I root for that person? It, it's almost worse than Colin level because at least on the Colin thing, you go something something's out of whack 
with you that you are behaving this way. It is clearly bad and and perhaps fixable. Right now, I'm like, Nate, you just mad selfish, man. Like, you got to give a fuck about somebody besides yourself at some point. Like, when is that point going to be? I can't believe I, glo- I glossed over the kids at the game and Henry waving to Nate and Nate not waving back at the game. Um, Again. I, it doesn't I, matter. I, like, I don't. He's so. Right, well, it doesn't matter. But like when we, when Doctor Fieldstone didn't wave, it was somehow okay, right? Oh, People like gave you're, her a pass. Mister Shackle tongue lashing is racist. That's why. But we're not going to get into all of that. <laughs> oh Jesus! We'll save that. We'll save that for the deep dive. No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm having so much goddamn fun right now. I don't even know what's wrong with me. I'm sorry. Good, good. I'm glad you are. This is the worst. <laughs> this is the worst moment of my life. No, but I no, you're 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 right. Him him not waving back and Henry was what are you doing? Come on. It's That's a kid. Henry, it's a little it's kid. It's a kid. Man. It's a kid. Even to May, right? Even to May. May, he's a child, right? Like we like we get that, like, come on, there are rules. Right now there's a cousin of mine that I would happily launch into the sun. And if his daughters were standing at my door right now, they would get the biggest hugs and come in and tickles and all of it in the world. Like, come on, it's fucking kid, Nate. Get yourself together. We also forgot to say the line where May is about to walk away and Beard goes, May, you think I fucking wanted to be there? Oh, yeah. No, that's that's got <laughs> that some was, deep dive up would, coming. I would love for the string of uh, Coach Beard swearing to continue. If, if they could at least give us that for these last few episodes, I'll be very happy. I- all right. Ted's reaction in that moment was also great because you could see him kind of waving because uh, like probably that uh, Henry Henry's not getting a lot of F-bombs as he hangs out with dad, I'm guessing. And so you could see Ted being like, yeah, you know, ignore, ignore, ignore that. You know, yeah, that just happened. Ignore that. I thought that was funny. Now we get what what might be people's favorite uh, uh, part of the episode, which is Jamie showing up at Keeley's door. Did you guys know it was going to be Jamie? Yes. Um, I suspected. Yeah. There were a couple things that are super deep dive uh, fodder. But yeah, I suspected it was going to be Jamie. And we find out in the, I think the, the headline of this is that it was Jamie's leak. And then it makes you wonder, wait a sec. They said, oh, some reality star with a big dick. Yeah. I was like, oh, is that Jamie? Bingo. And I was like, is this Ringo. all Jamie? Somebody, all of these are all of these leaks from Jamie's account? Is that what the whole thing came from? Oh, I didn't think that. No. No, I thought no. he was a monk. But yeah, the, the, the reality star with the big dick, I was like, that's 100% a Jamie. Yeah. Anyway, it's a lovely moment. It's heartfelt. It shows. Uh, Jamie's amazing uh, accountability, which is why Keely broke up with him in the first place. It's true. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, this yeah. is where we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot to talk about here. Yep. And again, yeah. it uh, one of the hardest parts about the show that we love is Jamie's Jamie's arc has been so amazing. It really makes Keely's feel disappointing in in many ways. Yep. It doesn't match up. And Nate's- you know because he's Ooh. so good. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, we, oh, yeah, we'll 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 definitely have some uh, we have some discussion. Yeah, despite it they being up, Ted Lasso, they, Jamie has been the most dynamic character. Not to mention, not to mention the fact that throughout the the talk, when he says, "No, trust me, I delete." All, first of all, he's a guy who knows you know irony and uh, hypocrisy, whatever, but he can't spell password, which you go, mm, 
you know, that's instant, instant caramel, apparently. <laughs> and, um, Talk. oh boy. And then he's, then he does this amazing, amazing, amazing thing. Um, first of all, one of the, my favorite things that come out of this episode is my belief that no matter what happens, no matter what Jamie chooses, Jamie Tart chooses, not just in this moment, but this moment going forward, he will never betray Roy. Like I firmly believe that. I oh, think he yeah. has come so far. Oh yeah. And on top on top of that, he may be there if there is any hope left for Keely and Roy, it may be because Jamie says, I saw what you had was real. And then 100%. I deleted everything else. 100%. And I thought, wow, it wouldn't that be interesting if Jamie was the mechanism that got Keely and Roy back together. Yeah, and I don't know if he, that's the case. Because you play through him now. You don't play to him now. And he understands. Oh, that. oh, I never thought of that. Wow. Damn yeah, gosh. that's some deep dive <laughs> shit. Yeah. Now, isn't isn't that sad though? Because this has been a dis- depressing episode for our listeners. I know it has been. I know people are listening, going, "Ah, shit!" Like these guys usually point out all the great things, and we want to. We want to. Granted, that's not what this uh, sort of rapid reaction episode is. But those beats are there, and and there are there are far more good lines than we're able to touch on in this uh, format. Um, but keep in mind, it's still an amazing show. It just this this was a little bit of a swing and a miss. Um, lastly, Michelle picks up Henry. We get to see um, the moment where you know Henry heads off. Ted goes to hand the bag back to Michelle, and he holds it to see her hand to see whether there's a ring on it because he was convinced that she would be proposed to, um, and there is no ring. The lingering question, I think, remains maybe she was proposed to. And she said, no, maybe maybe that actually, you know, there's a possibility that, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, it's an indication that Henry, when 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 Ted in bed reading uh, Henry the book was trying to sort of mine Henry for some information to see what the nature of his relationship with Jake was, um, we see Henry run into the, the cab and just absolutely blow by uh Jake offering a f- fist pump fist bump and um you know doesn't even like runs by him like he's not there um what does it mean I don't know I don't know there's a lot to unpack here and we know coach loves to unpack I, I do <laughs> love to unpack I do love to unpack no okay. god but yeah no th- there's a lot there's a lot to talk about here and a lot of fascinating stuff and and things we we will definitely get to in the deep dive and try to highlight the things that worked and the things that didn't, because even though it sort of feels like we're really hammering this episode for all the things that didn't work, there were still clues and moments of, of recognition, some nice beats and uh, some, some small moments that I thought were effective. Um, I, I think there's, uh, it's so what happens when, when a couple of episodes ago, coach said, as a filmmaker, as somebody who's a creator, you would not believe how fast you lose an audience. You would not believe how quickly people can check out if you lose them. And this is the difference for me. A lot of people checked out when they heard everybody saying three little birds. They're like, what is this? Like, this is whatever. And I felt that way when everybody's saying, Hey Jude, it felt like the Christmas episode to me because I was like, I am not into this. Like, this is not cute or charming or fun. I'm like, I don't, I don't buy any of this. I don't like it. Uh, and, and I'm like, oh, God, this is not my natural persona. I'm I'm a Where, true believer. 
Oh, so wow! It's it's like the show. It seems like we're being like order order on some levels being restored because I actually very much like the Hey Jude thing and can't wait to tell you why. Good. I mean, that's good. I actually have that gives me hope um, because you know <laughs> this one was a this was a felt like I said it felt like a departure um, and uh, you know. Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. That is the uh, famous Bishop Desmond Tutu. And I say, good. Thank God coach has <laughs> has a way – because I want to get back into that hope. And, and for some reason, uh, I can't get to uh, Sewatneho, uh right now. So that is a uh, reference from, of course – you know what Sewatneho is, guys? Mm-mm. I I don't think so. Isn't that um uh, Shawshank Redemption? Yes, thank you, oh! boss. It's like oh, that's so funny. I thought of Shawshank. Wow, there's something going on here because I had some Shawshank floating around when I was watching this. So it's interesting. It's just the representation. Remember, the same hope is what kills you is the Morgan yeah, Freeman yeah. character, Red, yeah. and he's talking about how he doesn't want to hope and. Mm-hmm. Say what Neho represents that hope. And sometimes in this episode, I was like, oh, God, are, am I spinning out of control? <laughs> like, I don't want to fall out of love. I just – they're not giving me a lot to to hold on to in this particular episode. I, I, I will throw this in, which is that I think also there was bound to be this moment. Like, to me, this, this, this moment was – also part of my reaction to this moment was the morning after your breath stinks. And that's just kind of the reality of relationships. And we just had a sequence of, um, of episodes that were like a night to truly remember. And I think eventually somebody was going to have to fall asleep and wake up with some stinking breath. Like it just was like so much like, and you can't have just ecstasy through the rest of the season, like there had to, there, there had to be a come down. Could have been executed better, probably, but I think there would have been some of what we're discussing somehow, some way, eventually, because we got to an absolute mid act climax for the the season. So, you know, you're just gonna have to bring it down to a certain level. We are gonna uh, explore this in great detail, as you know, we do. Uh, at a future date, we'll bring it to you as quickly as possible. I want to do one quick shout out um, to when we talk about hope and having hope. Um, three people specifically have given me hope, and and this is in the real world. We asked for people to step up and sponsor the show last episode, and three people answered the bell: Anya, Jeff, and Gina. Yeah, and we. I can't even tell you what that means to us. And I, 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 I clicked on that page and there was, you know, it used to be a zero and I see that we have three people that, I mean, it really means a lot. I can't, I can't tell you how much it means. Uh, it, it is absolutely wonderful. And just as, as a way for you guys to understand how the sausage gets made, you know, you say, Oh, people do all these podcasts and they, uh, Oh, they must be rolling in it. Let me tell you how, how this works. I I have the option here. I could, you know, you want to see how we can make money? There's a mattress company offering us 15% of the total purchase price. If we can 
bullshit you into buying a mattress. Okay, so this is an offer on the table. They say, oh, TedCast has really got a lot of people. I'll tell you what, you start lying about mattresses and fleecing, <laughs> fleecing people you care about. Uh, because the people that listen to the show are people, there are, there, you are our people. You are the people that, that we, we, we connect with. And we do it through the, the medium of this show. But do I want to make money? Do I want to have, have, be able to like continue to, you know, put, put food on the table? Oh, I can lie about mattresses. You want to know some of the other off- offers? Um, there's a company here that, oh, Instacart. Everyone knows Instacart. If I can get you to sign up for a new Instacart account, if we can talk about Instacart in a way that gets you guys to sign up, right? Guess how much Instacart will give us? 12 bucks. $12 American. All yeah. Right. For every person we get to sign up. So, but actually, that's not, I didn't accept that. So don't go start getting Instacart. I didn't accept that because yeah, it's, we're not in it's the a, bullshit business. It's ridiculous and it's immoral. But if you do sign up for Instacart, use uh, the code uh, Coach Bishop. That is so deplorable. That is deplorable. <laughs> Anyway, folks, I wanted to say uh, thank you so much to to our three sponsors, um, uh, Anya, Jeff, and, and Gina. You you make the buttercups shine, and uh, it brought tears to my eyes when I saw that somebody actually listened and that somebody cared. Um, and we're going to continue to keep bringing you the best in Ted uh, Lasso content that we can. And uh, we we're so I'm sorry. I wanted to love this episode. You, you know how much. This show means to all of us, and um, w- when we go through the deep dive, I'm sure we'll be able to pull out, uh, you know, sort of suck the marrow out of it in a way that highlights at least what they attempted in an effort to say where we think it possibly fell short. Um, until we get to that, uh, Coach Bishop, where do people find you if they want to find you? Well, today they can find me as walking around my office muttering 17 points that I had to swallow. But other than that. <laughs> Sorry, Coach. I'm no, no, sorry. no, no. no. A- I'm, I'm, I'm busting your chop. I'm having so. No, 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 no. I'm having fun. I'm not upset. I'm, I'm totally busting your chop. Uh, you can find me uh, on Instagram at bk2la. Our uh, company is Adeline P. Uh, we can do the same over on. Uh, you can do the same over on TikTok. And if you want to check out, we align our online community. We're growing this thing. We're building some new exciting things are happening. Wealign.alignp.com. Thank y'all. Thanks to our new sponsors and to the 30 who will follow those three by the next time we fire up these mics. I appreciate y'all already. Boss, where do people find you if they want to find you? Well, unfortunately, not being as impressive as that. So on Twitter, uh, trying to tweet nice things when I can and failing a lot. Uh, It's Dumbly Chambers. Also um, writing at the Antagonist blog, which is antagonistblog.com. Don't don't be intimidated by his long screed of of places to find him, boss. It's, it's <laughs> one one of the one of the things I always <laughs> I always cling to is that it really isn't size that matters. It's it's how you use it. Um, so um, I mean, there's also the uh, fact that I'm actively hiding from authorities in 48 states, so I probably shouldn't be that public. There's that. yeah, that's a solid yeah, solid point. Um, everybody, uh, support your local libraries. Support the written word. Support um, independent blogs and please support, be vocal and principled and support writers who are on strike, who deserve to be paid for the work that they do across all mediums. Um, 
we will be back next time. Uh, and we hope to see you back. Until then, we are Richmond till til we die. die. Almost. Next time. Almost. I thought that was splendiferous. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs> the TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and the Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.